Good morning, folks. It's a privilege to be with you today at Berlin Christian Church. I hold your, your church in the highest regard. My name is Ken. I preach at the Athens Christian Church. Uh, I helped them get started at their 8 o'clock service this morning, and then I kind of snuck away. And so the 8 o'clock people think the preacher is there today, and the rest of the morning they're going to be thinking, where's the preacher? Because you know how people are. But listen, I love Warren Brosey. I have to tell you, I, I really admire him. I, I hold him in the highest regard and love for real. And once in a while when there's something inside me that isn't quite right, like I have what I call a broken emotion that I just can't get past, I have Warren Brosey on speed dial. I call him and tell him. It doesn't happen very often, but he's, he's the guy I turn to and trust. I, I really, really admire him. So when he talked to me back in the early spring and said, hey, I'm going to be gone on sabbatical, man, I think that is excellent that you guys are affording him the opportunity to be gone at this moment in his family's life. Because, you know, being in the ministry, this is my 43rd year preaching every Sunday. It's a little bit overwhelming. My wife and I raised sons. We have a ministry son and a medical son, and we have seven grandchildren. And the best part, of course, is the grandchildren. <laughs> I told my sons a little while back that if I'd known how good grandchildren were going to be, I would have had more children <laughs> so that I'd get more grandchildren. And my son said, well, is that the only reason? And I said, yep, that'd be about the only, about the only reason. I was really pleased also earlier to hear somebody get tongue-tied up here before me, and I noticed that you didn't throw her out the window. So that makes me feel a little more at home, and it gives me a little bit of hope. And you mentioned the snack when King David got the ark returned. Uh, last month, a couple of my grandchildren attended vacation Bible school at our church every evening. And you know how VBS works. There's a snack. Well, my five-year-old granddaughter, uh, the next Sunday was in her Sunday school class. And when she got home, she complained to her folks. And she said, there was no snack at VBS today. And her older sister, who was 11, Ava, said, Now, Callie, that was not VBS. That is Sunday school, and we don't have a snack in Sunday school. And she said, Well, I want VBS, then. I don't want Sunday school. <laughs> you know how the kids are. So, But it is very kind of you to have me here today. I did preach once at the Berlin Christian Church many years ago, and it's when you were in your old building, and I think it was a Saturday night service. And I came over on a Saturday evening and preached. It was many, many years ago. And in fact, I didn't even remember it, but my wife reminded me and said, hey, I think you've preached there before uh, many years ago. Now, about 10 days ago, I was here in your neck of the woods because I had a funeral for Darlene Adkins. Uh, her maiden name was Clary. And I think uh, about 70 years ago, there were some Clarys in the Berlin Christian Church. And their people are all buried over here in the old Berlin Cemetery. But I also noticed that Warren Brosey asked me to preach on a day when most of your church people were going to be gone. <laughs> and so he probably figured I couldn't do too much damage today because he knew that, you know, the, the strong, mature people were going to be here and they could, they could handle whatever mistakes maybe I was going to deal out to him. I don't know about that, Warren Brosey, you know. But I would like you to open your Bible this morning to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Luke 12, 22. Our Bible study today is from a Gospel story, 
in Luke 12, 22, Jesus is talking to his disciples about worrying. I don't know if you people ever worry or not, but I have to tell you, seems like the older I get, the more I'm given to worry. I don't like it, and I'm not proud of it. Some years ago, when my son was a combat medic in Iraq, he, he and I were texting, and he called, and he said, Now, Dad, I'm not going to be able to be in touch with you for at least three weeks because we're going to be somewhere that it'd be risky for us to try to be in touch with you. And I said, well, okay, I understand, but you, you get a hold of me when you can. Let me know you're okay because I'm going to be worried. And he said, Dad, after all those sermons you preached about not worrying, now you're going to be worried. And I said, hey, you listen here to me. Don't you be lecturing on me on all those things I preached through those years until you get a child of your own that's in a war zone then if you don't worry, then you give me a call because I'm not going to listen to you. And, of course, he knows that I never claimed I did all that stuff well. I just preached and taught to myself as much as to anybody else. But we often end up worried and anxious about everything, don't you suppose? So here's my Bible text today, Luke 12:22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. I love that Bible text because it talks about the value and really the sanctity of human life. Somebody read this Bible text and wrote a little poem about worry called The Robin and the Sparrow. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Well, my Bible study today is intended to be sort of a checklist for peace of mind and joy. The Bible is full of practical guidance So I really call this study Biblical Budgeting for Peace and Joy. Biblical Budgeting for Peace and Joy. Really all from the Proverbs to overcome worry and anxiety and to just exchange it for God's peace of mind and joy and purpose. First then, from Proverbs 14.23, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So number one on this checklist, work diligently. Work diligently. When you become diligent, you will prosper. Paul told the church, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. And so I think you good people know to never fall for any get-rich-quick scheme. In fact, Dave Ramsey says the lottery is a tax on stupid people who can't do math. I'd probably never say that, but it might be true. If you want to overcome worry, number one, work diligently. The second on our checklist, though, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Number two, give generously to honor God. Yeah, that is really the answer. And I know it may sound just the opposite should be true, But if you want to overcome worry and anxiety and you want to find purpose in your life, you really need to figure a way to give generously to honor God. 
You shovel out to God, He shovels back to you. The big difference is His shovel is much, much larger. God will be no man's debtor. 500 years ago, the great church reformer Martin Luther said, possessions belong in your hands and not in your heart. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of possessions. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But you need to be careful and figure where you're carrying them. Are you carrying your possessions in your hands or maybe are you carrying them in your heart? He also said there are three conversions necessary. The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. So which conversion are you on? Number one, or number two, or number three? The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. Give generously to honor God. Third, though, on your checklist to overcome worry and anxiety and to exchange it for peace of mind and joy, Proverbs 22.9. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Number three, give generously to help others. That's really the ticket. Give generously to help others. Jesus said, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these brothers of mine, you have done it unto me. And J. Oswald Sanders said, The basic question is not how much of our money should we give God, but how much of God's money should we keep for ourselves. That really changes the context, doesn't it? The basic question is not how much of our money should we give God, but how much of God's money should we keep for ourselves. Give generously to help others. The fourth way to overcome worry, Proverbs 13, 11. He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Number four, save regularly. Save regularly. I remember back when I was in first grade, and one day a week you could have this little green bank book, and you could put a dollar in it or, or a quarter, and they would collect all those, and that would go to the local bank, and you would get it back the next week, and it would have your new balance in it. And I learned when I was five years old in first grade that after you had not so many dollars, that once a quarter or once every six months, they would add a few cents onto that as interest that you had earned on money that you had saved. I thought that was amazing. And then later, when I became a Christian at the age of 17, I ran into Proverbs 13, 11. He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. What practical Bible wisdom. Never spend all you earn. Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer, then gathers its food at harvest. And Proverbs 30, 25 adds, Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. They're used as object lessons throughout the Bible, and especially in those two texts in the book of Proverbs, to teach us to save regularly. You see, friends, wise financial principles apply in every age and in every stage of life. But there's a fifth way to be at peace, Proverbs 31.16, regarding the woman of noble character. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. 
Number five, spend prudently. Spend prudently. It's not about how much you earn. It's how you manage it. Imagine placing every purchase under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Wow, what a unique concept. What if you decided here and now, Lord, starting at this moment, I'm going to place every purchase under your lordship, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to let you guide me. Dave Ramsey says, when you tell your money what to do, it goes further. Spend prudently. The sixth way to overcome worry, Proverbs 22.7, the borrower is the servant of the lender. Number six, avoid unnecessary debt. Avoid unnecessary debt. Somebody said, we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) But the Bible tells me to live within my means and not to spend money I don't have but to work and to pay my way out of debt and to avoid unnecessary debt altogether. The seventh way to joy and peace, Proverbs 14, 15. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. Number seven, make smart decisions. Make smart decisions. My friend says, ignorance is no sin, it's just unhandy. And I suppose it is pretty unhandy, ignorance. But you and I, we don't have to walk in ignorance because we have the Word of God. We have wise people around us. We have have people we can consult. So even if there's an area of life that we don't know enough about, we can turn to someone else and we can ask and we can follow uh, and make smart decisions. Did you know 78% of the people do not pay off their credit card every month? Well, you want to try to make smart decisions. Because your life will be better if you make smart decisions. Live below your means, pay your bills on time, build an emergency fund, and get out of debt. You'll be a blessing to your family. You'll be able to exchange a great deal of anxiety and worry for a lot more peace of mind and joy and purpose. You'll be a greater blessing to the kingdom of God. Because when he calls or when he puts someone on your heart or or some project on your heart, you'll be able to respond accordingly. Make smart decisions. Eighth, though, on the checklist for peace of mind and joy, Proverbs 23, 4. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Number eight, don't give greed a foothold. Don't give greed a foothold. It's really interesting how that Bible text ends. It says, uh, they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Where I live, it's not very far to the Sangamon River. You just go to the airport and you go down the hill and you cross the Sangamon River and you're in the school district where, where, where I preach, the Athan School District. And my son lives pretty close to the Sangamon River right through there. And this winter, maybe it was the winter before, we started noticing bald eagles around the river again. And it must be a few of them are even nesting somewhere near his house because we'll be in his backyard and we'll see a bald eagle fly and kind of make a full circle around his house. And it's amazing because they are so majestic, they are so huge, and they fly away so quickly. And that's what Proverbs 23, 4 is saying. Cast but a glance at riches 
and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. So don't give greed a foothold. Charles Spurgeon said, For some Christians, the last part of our nature that ever gets converted is our pockets. There's a story of a wealthy landowner, an old man. And he would say to a young person from time to time, Carry this flag as far as you like. Post the flag and return. And all the land between here and the flag where you've posted it will be yours, with one caveat. You must return before sunset. And not one person ever returned before sunset. You see the problem? Our hearts sometimes are filled with greed. Greed is a trap. Don't give greed a foothold. Martin Luther wrote about the human heart, saying, The more it has, the more it wants. If it possessed the whole world, it would like to have two worlds. And if it had two worlds, it would like to have ten. He was talking about my heart, the human heart. That's the condition of the human heart. The Bible says that the human heart is deceptive above all things. Wow, what wisdom for us. The more it has, the more it wants. If it possessed the whole world, it would like to have two worlds. And if it had two worlds, it would want to have ten. Don't give greed a foothold. But there's a ninth way to peace and purpose and joy. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Number nine, don't expect money to bring happiness. Don't expect money to bring happiness. Jesus said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Yeah, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. D.L. Moody said, getting riches brings care, keeping them brings trouble, abusing them brings guilt, losing them brings sorrow, so it is a great mistake to make so much of riches as we do. Don't expect money to bring happiness. True riches are found in Jesus Christ, in knowing him and in making him known to others. He is true riches. But tenth and finally on the biblical checklist for peace and joy, Proverbs 17.1, better a crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Number ten, be content with simple things. Be content with simple things. Probably our best memories involve simple things. Think about it. I remember my childhood back in the hills of southern Indiana. We had nothing. I mean, we, my, my mom and dad, and there were four of us kids, and we lived in an old four-room farmhouse that was falling down around us. We had no bathroom. It was about 100 yards out back. We lived on 34 acres. We were poor, but we didn't know it my brothers and my sister and I, we thought we were rich. My parents didn't have a great deal of education, but they had a PhD in love. And I got to tell you, we had the best childhood you could ever imagine. And even now, when my siblings and I, my parents have been gone 30 years now, even now when my siblings and I are together, we remember and we reflect on a few old black and white pictures we would cut down a tree, an evergreen somewhere for Christmas, and we would bring it in to this big room, and we would nail it into the floor and wire it to the wall because it didn't matter. 
It was the simple things, and we would string popcorn and make our decorations with paper, and it was the perfect childhood. And now life is so much more complicated and and challenging. And I tried to teach my children as they grew up in a house with two bathrooms to be content with simple things, but they didn't really know what I meant much of the time. Do you know what I'm trying to say? But probably our best memories involve simple things. Some of my friends spent a bucket of money to take their kids to Disney World. When they got home, they asked their kids, Hey kids, what was your favorite part of that whole trip to Disney? Any guesses? What the kids said? Any guesses? The kids said, Watching movies in the van on the way down there and back. True story. Could have done that in the driveway (laughs) and saved about I don't know how much. Do you see my point? What if, let me ask you this, what if it's the simple things in life that matter most to your children or to your spouse or to your family? What if it's just enjoying your child's ball game or your child's recital? Or what if it's just taking a walk with your family after supper? What if it's really those simple things that are going to carry the most meaning with them throughout their lives. What if it is the simple things? The Apostle Paul said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. But have you learned that secret of contentment? Are you content with simple things? Peace and joy are all yours when you're content with the simple things. But let me close quickly now. Uh, after those 10 points from the Proverbs, let me share with you just four points of practical application from today's Bible study in order to walk in the Word now. You know, the New Testament book of James warns, and it says you don't want to just be a hearer of the Word only, but you want to become a doer also. So how do you put all this Bible study that we've done today into action in your life this week or in the days ahead in the remainder of the summer or in the second half of 2021 that remains. Let me encourage you to make four commitments now in order to become doers of the Word. The first commitment to help you walk in the Word now after this Bible study, number one, start tithing. Start tithing. That's where if you earn 10%, you give... That's where if you earn $10, you give $1 back to God. And He stretches the remaining nine to go further than the full $10 would have gone originally. It's an act of faith and worship, and it sets your priorities. Actually, this is the only time in the Bible where God says, test me in this and see if it isn't true. Start tithing. I always encourage people, number one, figure out how much you earn, because a lot of people don't know how much they earn. So figure out how much you earn, and then... Commit yourself to the Lord that you will give the first 10% to the Lord and His cause. And then save and invest the second 10% and then live on 80% or less. And even see how much of your income you could free up for the kingdom and for others in Jesus' name. Uh, Start tithing. That's the first way to walk in the Word. The second way to walk in the Word in light of this Bible study today, number two, pay off all debts except a mortgage. Make that your goal. Pay off all debts except a mortgage. It will take time. But until a generation or two ago, everybody lived like that. 
You see, friends, when I'm digging myself into a deep hole, the first order of business, stop digging. Stop digging. Don't you wish someone would tell the state of Illinois that? Oh, my goodness. So many people in our church at the Athens Christian Church are moving out of state, for real. I mean, this many families this year. I'm not exaggerating. And there are others that plan to do the same. But, you know, we could apply the same in our own personal lives because while we can't make decisions for other people or for government groups, we should make wise decisions for ourselves. Wouldn't you agree? And so if you're digging yourself into a deep hole, the first order of business, stop digging. Commit to this today. Pay off all debts except a mortgage. Now, the third commitment to help you walk in the Word in light of this Bible study today is similar to the second, but it just goes a little bit further, if you will. Number three, pay off all debts, including a mortgage. Yeah, make that your goal. Pay off all debts, including a mortgage. Right? It's step by step. And these priorities certainly take perseverance. They require discipline and time. But someone once asked, When's the best time to plant an oak tree? Anybody know? When's the best time to plant an oak tree? The answer, 25 years ago. 25 years ago. When's the second best time to plant an oak tree? Today. You're right, today. And so maybe you've heard this Bible study today and you've thought, my goodness, this just makes me feel terrible. Don't feel terrible. Or maybe you think this makes me feel guilty or ashamed because I'm one of those people that have dug myself into a deep hole and really for no good reason. But the purpose isn't to make anybody feel bad. Instead, it's to provide guidance to help you take the proper steps. Martin Luther King Jr. used to say, don't stand there looking up the staircase. Take the first step. And today I would encourage you, in light of the Bible verses that we have studied from the book of Proverbs and from the gospel of what Jesus said about worry and anxiety, don't stand there looking up the staircase in your spirit thinking, wow, I should have heard this 10 years ago or, or 30 years ago or more. That's not the attitude. Instead of standing there looking up the staircase, just do this, take the first step. When I was trying to raise my sons, they would sometimes tell me what a big project they had uh, about this, that, or another thing. And I would usually try to sit and listen, and then I would ask them to remember how the man ate the elephant. Do you know how the man ate the elephant? One bite at a time. And so maybe you have a big project in front of you, and maybe it involves your finances, or maybe it involves your marriage, or maybe it involves your parenting, or maybe it involves figuring God's call and claim upon what's left of your life. I don't know what it involves. But you know how the man ate the elephant? One bite at a time. And that's how you also can move forward in life. Someone said, don't measure the size of the mountain. Talk to the one who can move it. So we take it to the Lord in prayer. And we say, Lord, show me how to move forward in a way that brings you glory and honor. So we've surfaced three points of practical application to help us walk in the Word this week. Start tithing, pay off all debts except a mortgage, pay off all debts including a mortgage. And the fourth and final point of practical application before we close, number four, increase generosity. Increase generosity. Because here is God's promise to you, 2 Corinthians 9.10. You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. 
That's his promise to me. But do we believe it? You will be made rich in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. I love it when the psalmist said, I have been young and I have been old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. So we live by faith, we serve by faith, and we give by faith. Someone else said, do your giving while you're living so you'll, you're knowing where it's going. And rather than think of what you would do someday if your ship came in, maybe you should start asking the Lord, what could I do today? What could I do this week? What could I do in the here and now? Because as you start tithing and pay off all your debts except a mortgage and then pay off all your debts including a mortgage, you increase generosity and trust me, you find peace and joy and purpose. And God wants you to be filled with peace and joy and purpose. I bet you know the greatest debt that was ever paid was when our Lord Jesus Christ paid for our sins in full on an old rugged cross. There's a camp chorus that says, He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, the whole day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Friends, I was 17 years old, growing up like one of those hillbillies in southern Indiana. And I didn't know the Lord. And I was lost. And I didn't even know I was lost. And then I encountered somebody who explained to me the details of the gospel. That I was far from God because he's pure and holy and I'm not. And something just struck a chord in me that I could be forgiven. And that I should need Jesus as my Savior. And that he could forgive me. And so I embraced Jesus as my Savior. I made his church my family. I made God my Father. I made heaven my home. It's been a long time ago, as far as the years go, but in many ways, it feels like it just happened yesterday. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, listen, He paid a debt He did not owe. You owe a debt you cannot pay. You need someone to wash your sins away so that you can sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, the whole day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that you can never pay. Heavenly Father, thank you for these sacred moments where we think about heaven and eternity and spiritual matters. Lord, our lives, Lord, our lives are so busy and full that we seldom have time to think about these things because the demands upon us and around us are just so high and heavy. But Lord, today you've encouraged us to open your word and to think about spiritual matters. Thank you for the Berlin Christian Church and for the opportunity that everyone here today has to hear the gospel preached and to think about eternity. Lord, life is unpredictable. And even if our years grow to number many, 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 they pass so quickly and then our lives are finished. Lord, help us then today to embrace Jesus as our Savior, just as they did in the pages of the New Testament through faith and repentance and confession and Christian baptism, and having done so, to take up our cross daily and to follow closely in your steps. Lord, we love you more than life, and we give thanks in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior, and amen.